Welcome to Conversations with Z and Vindesh, a weekly discussion that explores common life challenges and offers practical solutions. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. That's D-H-A-R-M-A media.com. Welcome everyone to Conversations with Z and Vin. And today we're continuing a topic from last week. Previously, we talked about the enablement of dysfunction and the behaviors that we have and the interactions that allow people to continue with dysfunctional behavior instead of pulling themselves out of it and doing something that's more productive. So today we're continuing in that vein. And Z, it's always interesting talking to you. You were giving me a history lesson on scapegoating. So the whole term scapegoating, as you explained it, comes from this old Jewish ritual where the sins of everyone in a community would be heaped upon this sacrificial goat. And you would kill the goat, and the goat would be blamed for everything that the community collectively did that wasn't up to par. And you would expunge all of this from your record, and suddenly you had the wherewithal, the fortitude, the clean slate, so that you could move forward, get on with your life, and do things that were more productive. So we've taken that concept, but today it's applied a lot differently. And scapegoating... From my vantage point, Z, it's almost like a disease that we can fall into. It's a trap. I mean, maybe a trap is a better term than a disease because we start to see the world from a different vantage point. We become victims of circumstance. Everything that goes wrong in our lives, we can assign blame to someone else. And we see this all over the place. So on the job, if something doesn't get done, it's very easy to point fingers and say, yes, this person didn't do what they were supposed to do or I had no other choice, I couldn't help it, Uh, how can you expect me to step up when I didn't have clear direction, or I couldn't take that amount of risk, or whatever the case may be. You see it in relationships all the time where people are pointing fingers, and it becomes a totally unproductive situation, uh, because it just devolves into two people screaming at each other, and neither one has any interest in really understanding the other's point of view. And then, most insidiously, perhaps, it applies to ourselves. And this is where I think the disease or the trap really takes hold, where everything in our lives, we can assign blame to factors outside of our control. So we become a perpetual victim. And we can take a look at our fitness. And I've heard this from a lot of people my age. Not that I'm that old, I'm in my early 40s. But people get past the age of 40, and they say, oh my God, my body is just falling apart, my health is going downhill. But what the hell can I do? It's my age. There's nothing I can do about it. Or it's my genetics. I'm just not wired that way. I don't have enough strength. I don't have enough discipline. Uh, What can be expected of me? Uh, Or, you know what? I've got responsibilities. I've got a family to take care of. So how can I really go and pursue the things that I care about? Uh, There's no way that I can do it because I've got all these things weighing me down. And it's really a refusal to take responsibility for oneself and advance one's position. So I think this is a bit of a trade-off, Z, between short-term and long-term. In the short-term, maybe it feels good. Maybe we protect the ego. We step away from that sting or the realization that we are responsible for our own circumstances. And we can protect ourselves uh, and live to go on with our lives and maybe feel good for the next 24 hours, the next week, the next month whatever it is. But in the long term, this becomes a trap because it means that we never have agency. We never have the ability to objectively look at our situation and say, 
this is my fault, or even if it's not fault and we're not assigning blame, my life is my responsibility. Whatever I want to achieve, it's something that I need the vision, the volition, the discipline to be able to get up off of my ass and do it. And if I don't know how to do it, let me figure out how to do it. And even if I could blame someone, frankly, it's not a productive exercise. So it's not even about who's responsible or who's not responsible. It's more that I'm here at a particular point in time. I want to move forward. What's the best way for me to do that? But if you have that mindset, it's a very different mindset than the scapegoat mindset. It's a mindset of agency. It's a mindset of personal responsibility. It's a willingness to confront your own limitations. It's a willingness to be open to critique, as we've talked about. And that requires a lot of different things. It requires that we subdue the ego enough so that we can look at ourselves objectively. We can listen to what other people have to say. And I think the reward from that is pretty tremendous because we're suddenly in a position where we don't have to play the victim anymore. Yes, we're responsible for our failures, but that also means that we can transcend our conditions and we can create success where nothing existed in the past. And in fact, when I look at my own life, I think a lot of the circumstances that I've blamed, and maybe blame is too strong a word, but some of the circumstances that I felt limited by, I've realized it's a self-imposed limitation. Uh, So there are certain things that I've thought, well, wouldn't it be nice if I could do this in life or that, but I've got a family, I've got responsibilities. The more that I think about this, the more that I go through life and just pay attention to myself and what is possible, I think it's a limitation in my own mind. Uh, The reality is that anything I want to do, if I have sufficient conviction, I can lay out that case, I can make it happen, I can get other people to fall in line if that drive and determination is strong enough. So it really starts with me. And I think as I've gone along this path, it's, uh, it's in a sense liberating. I mean, I'm not doing everything that I want to do, but I'm moving in that direction. And it feels good to have a certain level of control and a certain, uh, just a, a feeling that you're in charge of your own destiny. So Z, maybe you can kick us off on this topic and talk to us a bit about the process of scapegoating. What does it do to us when we start to assign blame to everything around us? Well, Vin, it's paralyzing, for one. As I work with people day in and day out, I always am able to see the potential of that person. So I don't know them from the man in the moon. They have whatever health issue they're going through. I always look at it in a more quantum and existential way in addition to looking at the gross metrics of their health and well-being. And people hear me all the time, and Caitlin heard me say it to her parents today, your body will tell the truth, your mouth will never speak. So when it comes to health issues and things like that, um, you have a lot you can work with, less the intervention of fate. You have a lot you can work with, even in, in, a, in a health crisis, if your attitude is one where you are really willing to face your tapas, as they say in yoga, which is the furnace or the cauldron in which forges your character, the fire, the suffering, the struggle. Those are very important things in terms of building yourself. When you scapegoat, you avoid all of that. You try to avoid all that. You try to avoid it. Let's make that real clear. So we have a reflex of scapegoating where we want to pass all of our sins onto the hapless one and send them out into the wilderness, so to say. As you know, in your area, there was a story of some um, debutante that decided to go out, get drunk, hit some people, kill a bunch of people in the car. And immediately they wanted to... um, uh, sue the bar 
sue the car company, um, penalize the people who they were run over for being outside minding their business. But none of it at any time was about the personal behavior, responsibility, and decision-making of that person that caused the mishap. And it was so it, it's such a prevalent and common theme to scapegoat that people even entertained the cause of defense, which is utterly insane and mathematically impossible. You have a role in everything that goes on in your life. And if even if it's the intervention of fate, even if it's things of discriminatory nature or family or biased nature, once that thing happens, you have something you can do after that. You can either take the path and accept the tapas and the learning opportunity, or you can scapegoat and say, it's somebody else's fault that this has happened to me. It's someone else's fault that I did this thing. And because it is someone else's fault, I have no role in redress or dealing with it or learning. I have no, there's no, nothing for me to learn. Think about that. There's nothing for me to learn, right? So I left the baby in the car while I went gambling at the uh, res reservation uh, casinos during a blizzard. And it was really the casinos fault for having beautiful lights that attracted me. Let's really go after them and let me lay my sins on the head of that casino. And so people are thinking this way. So we see the bizarreness of that in our own society, right? We look at the political climate of the day. We've gotten to the point where people cannot simply accept that in the flawed nature of the system, it has always been somewhat flawed, but it, it worked its own process through and your guy lost and the other guy won. But you want to blame so many other things, even if, let's say years ago, even if the other guy cheated, and you know he cheated. There's a story uh, in the Mahabharat about the most virtuous man in the world who gets involved with a cheating gambler. Now you read the book, and you say, wow, this is horrible. Don't gamble with a guy that cheats in gambling because he'll always win. But the problem with Yudhisthira, who was the most virtuous man in the world, he was addicted to gambling. He loved to gamble even when he knew the deck was stacked against him. And so he took it in stride. He took his tapas and says, you know, I know that I did this and I'm going to accept the punishment of it because you know what? I did it. That's what made him a person of character. Sure, he had a, a gambling habit, but you know what? He owned it. Sin means doing something without virtue. So he was virtuous about his own shortcoming. So he was able to face the suffering he inflicted on himself and his family in the most gracious and humble way. Can we all do that? So you think about the climate of the day where people want to blame all sorts of things for the outcomes and goings on of their life. Now there are points where there are horrible mishaps. There are horrible things going on. Now, what do you do next? Let's say you, you, you are a victim of a, the debutante drunk driver. Now that you've recovered and you've buried your family and your back is hurting, it's your duty to go to therapy for yourself. Suffer through the therapy so you can move forward with your life and their lives are not in vain. Or you could sit around blaming the debutante for getting off. And not. I've been through that myself. A, a drunk driver killed my brother, as you know. 
And it, it brought years and years of suffering uh, to our family. But what it didn't do, it did not stop me from having gratitude for having him in my life for the first 50 or so years of my life. It did not um, prevent me from living on and keeping his memory sacred to me. I didn't go looking for the guy, not at first I did, but after a while you realize when I, when I finally encountered the guy that he was a sad, suffering human being. Not really worth me spending the rest of my life away from my children. So I faced that feeling, I walked right through it, I walked into that cauldron, that, that molten lead feeling of despair, grief, hurt, and everything, and I came out the other side a better human being. Now, if you scapegoat someone and you uh, lie in the pristine coolness of dispatching blame, you never grow as a human being. You become sloth-like. You become gluttonous. So scapegoating is something that we do want to reject, especially those who follow the opt-out or dispassion observer way of looking at the world. You want to look at things you do on the micro and in the macro. Oftentimes, you know, I find myself being very careful of going through things with different babysitters and stuff and being uh, disappointed with our babysitter. Uh, she's developing uh, uh, certain uh, mental atrophy or she's getting dementia or something like that. So she isn't that good with the kids. Well, she was the babysitter of my 30-year-old, uh, fast forward uh, almost 30 years. Uh, the mind is her mind is not that sharp. It never really was, but that's what you you get what you pay for, right? I, I can't afford uh, uh, the the nanny or, or Miss Doubtfire or something. So I have to take what I can afford and friendship and things like that. So you you leverage all that, and so I'll get really pissed off when she doesn't do certain things with the kids. But then I have to catch myself. What am I expecting? I can't scapegoat her for letting me escape my parental responsibilities. So I, 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 I slap myself in the head, I do my tapas, I sit in the hot boiling lid, and I play with the kids more. I pay more attention to them. I do little things I didn't want to do. You know, I move the potty so we can all get potty trained. All this kind of stuff that, that she is forgetful about or whatever. So the minute you stop scapegoating, it becomes a character, life is part of a character building exercise for the soul. You follow me, Vin? Yeah, I think the way you put it, Z, is really interesting because when I think about scapegoating and the whole drama of blaming someone else, I usually think of stagnation and it's kind of a sad place to be in because you're the perpetual victim. So it's always someone else's fault and that means that you're just kind of miserable. It's like other people don't want to be around you. They don't want to hear your sad stories it weighs on people. It means that you carry around pain for way too long. You never get past this stuff. You never get back to the other side as you did. So you take your example. You went through a tremendous amount of pain, uh, but ultimately you got through that. You came out stronger. You were able to live your life in, in a vibrant way. Uh, and if you're in that scapegoat mentality, that's just not an option. It's like decades or entire lifetimes can pass and you're just always stuck in this this rut. So I think that's part of it. I think the other thing that you bring up, which is interesting, which I hadn't thought as much about, is this idea of tapas and just going through the fire. And when we stop blaming other people and we start looking at ourselves and our own shortcomings, 
or we face up to the pain and the consequences of our actions that forces us to improve. So it may feel painful. It may feel like the world is conspiring against us, or it just may feel like we're in such a dark place, we're never going to get out. But if we sit with that, we come out stronger and we're able uh, to either change our behavior uh, so we can reflect on what we've done, uh, either what we've done to get into the situation, or even if, as you put it, we haven't done anything, what can we do to take the remaining moments that we have in our life and live those out properly? So there's a certain strength that comes through it and it builds character. And I think that gradual building of character is a lot of what life is all about. We face challenges. We do certain things. I mean, it's almost like playing a video game. You go and you try certain things out, certain strategies, some work, and you move on to the next level. You move ahead. If you try out the wrong thing, then you're stuck and you have to replay it. But you figure out a new strategy. You evolve and you get better and you continue that process of evolution and advancement. So it's like a continual sharpening of a weapon, being able to stand up and take responsibility for your actions, sit with the consequences of your behavior, because eventually you figure it out. Eventually you come out better able to navigate life. Uh, So Z, as we start thinking about this, and I think about scapegoating, what's interesting to me is it's become such a part of our culture. I think part of it might be due to litigation, uh, just the tendency that we have. I mean, we've got a society full of lawyers and there's always someone looking to blame someone else. You go through a city and you see billboards all over the place. If you've been hurt in a car accident, call this number, get what you're entitled to. So there's that word of entitlement, which is just seeping into our subconsciousness uh, that we deserve certain things and we can't have uh, fate conspiring against us. Uh, there's just a sense that we've always, someone always has to be responsible for something. And this is also a concept in Buddhism. Uh, Buddhism refutes this whole idea. Uh, So in Buddhism, there's no direct cause and effect. I mean, everything is a composite. You can't separate one thing from the whole and say A cause B. It's this entire chain of events. And I think practically, yes, we do in certain cases uh, like if we're settling a court case, there has to be some way to assign responsibility. So we shortcut that process a little bit, but we just have this tendency to look for someone to blame. And maybe that satisfies some anger that we have within. We somehow feel morally superior. We feel justified if we can point someone out and we can say, this is your fault. You're the one who's responsible for it you have to pay. Talk a bit about that tendency. I mean, is that something that you encounter? And how do we start getting beyond that? Well, you talked about in Buddhism, there isn't a direct cause and effect. It's not binary. In Taoism, of course, in yin-yang theory, yin-yang is neither correlative, dualistic, uh, uh, nor is it binary. It is uh, a little bit of this and of that. Karma, the same way we talk about the law of consequence and action. Karma is not a flip of a switch, a yes or a no. It has a lot of layers to it that creates a harmony. And when we when we scapegoat, I want us all to consider the history of those that are scapegoated. You think about the history of scapegoating women, blaming women 
for all the problems in the world, all the ills of the world. So you had whole cultures and society that diminished the value of women. And they scapegoated women, they scapegoated women, they scapegoated women. If women caused this, women caused that, blah, 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 blah. And then the ones that followed that are extinct. And even in recent time, there are whole cities in Asia and India that have no women. No women at all. So you know what happens when you have no women in your society? You don't keep going. You die off. There are no babies. You don't live past the gen that, that generation. And those people are naturally drawing themselves into extinction. And the scapegoats have now moved on and they live somewhere else. And because you passed their sins, put the, your sins on their head, kicked them out into the wilderness, and they survive the attacks and assaults, they become stronger and better. When you, when you scapegoat various castes of people, you look in India where there is the horrible situations of the Dalit and uh, the scheduled caste and so forth. But when you meet people from Hindustan, it is always them who are the most fluid in character, the most representative of their nation. The best representative of the nation are the ones that were the sins of the others were placed on their head. And, and those others who didn't do that, they never built character. They're not interesting people. Nobody wants to be around them. You look at the plight of the, uh, the West with the scapegoating of the indigenous aboriginal, the first... Uh, the first world people. Um, everything that is here has the soul of them throbbing underneath it, the character of them, and the emptiness of those that scapegoated them, the falsehood of fear and the falsehood of a judicial system. All these empty platitudes, these characterless ideas, are because we've dispatched our challenges, our suffering, our character building tools onto someone else and their character was built. We look at the plight of the, the former slaves or the former colonized and it's almost a joke now that the people that were excluded and treated the worst in any field end up being the best at it. And the other people went only through cheating or changing the rules in the moment. So we can look at, at, at where scapegoating takes us and why those of us who are thinking people and working on our mind and our character, we reject that. I'm, I want to I go into the fire and I want to be, as this is a biblical term in a sense, but it's also a universal term, the idea of, of putting your sins on something else so that you don't have to go through the suffering. There's also a biblical story of people who went through all the fire and became better. There's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I believe, in the Christian scripture. I'm not uh, that knowledgeable of the Christian scriptures, but I, I do have a, um, uh, a little background in, in, in biblical anthropology. So when you look at them, they went through the fire and they had the best character. They endured the most. They came out the, the, the sturdiest and the most noblest of people. So when we think about these philosophical and religious um, stories, we want to think about in our own life, again, in the grand and in the, in, in the small. Take responsibility for your failings, for
for your sins, even in the quiet of your own heart, so that it has opportunity so you can taste the bitter medicine of that cauldron of change, so you can feel the heat of the forge. In metallurgy, you heat treat metal to break down jagged crystalline structures so that that metal connects to itself and bonds in a way that it's durable, pliant, it lasts, it's enduring, and it's strong, right? So even metal goes through a forge. When you go through a forest that's been ravaged by fire, the few trees that endured the fire are the ones that repopulate the whole forest. So don't run away from your responsibilities. And these, again, this idea that you just simply want to avoid trouble. Now, I will not be low character and hypocritical. If your wife or your husband or something runs up to you and asks you some crazy stuff and you just want to stay out of a fight, definitely do that. Sometime, look, what did I find? When you're married, your relationship, a lot of times you just say, yeah, yeah, that's great, dear. That's great. You may not believe it, Phil. Or just say you did it. Sometimes sometime my wife said, did you? Do? I said, yeah, I did it. I don't know what it is, but I did it. You know what? Because the reward of peace. So I'm not really scapegoating anything but myself. I'm leaving myself up to the slaughter because, you know, at the end of it, it ain't that bad. I got peace in exchange. So I lost a little bit of ego. I got my ass handed to me a little bit. But you know what? After it's over, there's peace and harmony in the world. So if you scapegoat yourself in that way, again, there, there's, there's, there's some rhyme to it. Right, Vin? You know what I mean. When you're dealing with your relationship, your wife and your kid, you know, you have to go on and, and take the bitters. You just got to take the hit. But you can also get away a little bit with things if you just get along and go along. Winning, sometimes the best way to win is to lose a little bit. And then you just get along, right? So there are little things in life that will challenge you. But in the grand scheme of things, scapegoating is not beneficial to any of us. It is not beneficial to the character of a person. It is one of those things that, as you said, has become so readily available that it has become normalized, where there's a whole language around blaming others for your sins, so to say, your shortcomings, your malfeasance, your neglect, your betrayal. Those are the things you want to really look out for when you begin scapegoating and you want to avoid that because if you own up to those things, you become a better person. You become a person of higher character. You become more enduring and you become like steel that is tempered as opposed to uh, being uh, real uh, fragile and uh, non-enduring. Yeah, Zeal, I'll add to your point about being practical on this. And I think the distinction is if you're true to yourself and you know what the truth is in your own heart, you can own up to your limitations, do whatever the circumstances require, then you can make adjustments just given the practical reality of the world that we live in. And so if it's a relationship with a spouse or a friend, maybe at certain times you take the hit, you take the blame just to smooth things over. If it's a work situation, maybe it's the opposite. I mean, maybe you're in an environment 
where there's no accountability whatsoever and, and it's just a hotbed of dysfunction, then it doesn't do any good to be a martyr and stand up and say, yes, I'm the one to blame, pile this on me because you're just going to shoot yourself in the foot. Uh, but I think the distinction we're making is if you're honest with yourself and you can appraise yourself objectively, you can find the times where, number one, you've failed. And I, I don't mean that in a bad way, but I just mean you haven't gotten the outcomes that you desire. So you can look at yourself and say, what can I do to improve this situation so that I've got a better strategy for dealing with life? And number two, you can say, okay, if I've taken certain actions, I have to live with the consequences and maybe part of that is just the reality of cause and effect. Maybe part of that is going to fortify me and I'll come out stronger on the other side. But I'm going to do my, my penance or my time or however you want to think about it. And so having that clarity in your own mind and your own heart gets you, I would say, most of the way there. And then around that, you can adjust depending on the situation and just depending on how much friction you want to avoid in the commerce of human relationships. I guess when I think about it, it's interesting because scapegoating to me, just being in that vein of always saying, oh, this person really screwed me or I can't believe that happened or how was I passed up for this promotion or why don't uh, people in the dating pool see me the way that I really am? Why don't they give me a chance? I said it before, you just end up, number one, as a miserable person. And number two, it seems like a very cowardly thing to do in the sense that you're always hiding from something. It's kind of like, yeah, maybe these things are a little bit painful. Maybe they're a bruise to your ego and it's a hit to your self-conception. So you like to think of yourself as being really powerful, as being very smooth, very articulate, whatever the case may be. And if there's any evidence to the contrary, oh my God, that's going to shatter my entire conception of myself and my whole self-esteem is built on this image that I carry around and I protect that image at all costs. And I see this see sometimes when I talk to friends. In fact, I was having a conversation recently with someone who was going through some issues at work and felt like his reputation was on the line and people were making comments about him and he'd worked so hard on this pristine reputation and it meant everything to him. And how dare people malign him in this way. And it's going to compromise what he can do going forward. And I didn't say this. I kind of thought about this after the fact. I thought, your reputation isn't that great to begin with. I mean, it's, it's not bad. But it's not the way that you've built it up in your mind. I mean, there is some disagreement. Some people think you're great. Some people, maybe not so much. But just being attached to this idea of being the perfect representative of his industry was very important to him to the point where it became debilitating. And if there was any, anything that might have interrupted that idea, it was very threatening uh, to his self-esteem. And I think the same thing happens when we're scapegoating. Uh, the more that we offset blame, the less that we are able to take responsibility for ourselves, to have more of a fluid self-image and realize, yeah, maybe I thought that I was a really good singer, but I got up on stage and I got booed off the stage. So maybe I should take some lessons or I tried out for the NBA and I got the ball smacked down in my face a hundred times and maybe I'm not ready. If we have that fluidity, then we can improve or we can find other situations that are a better fit for our skills. Uh, but the more we scapegoat, the more rigid we become. And, and that's another danger that maybe you can give some thoughts on, Z, just the fact that we're almost locked in to a certain point of view about ourselves and the world around us, 
and that that really prevents evolution. And the whole reason we're presenting evolution is because we're afraid and we're hiding from a reality that may be different from what we conceive. Uh, so, or, yeah, conceive, perceive, whatever word you want to use. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think that's a good slogan. Maybe we make some bumper stickers on that. Good reminder <laughs> of how to deal with scapegoating and also knock out your marriage at the same time. So I want to pick up on a couple of the things you said, Z, because listening to you talk is just a reminder of the insanity of these behaviors. And they take on a life of their own and they go beyond any form of reason. So if we just make up a simple list of costs and benefits of scapegoating, on the cost side, we've got the fact that you become a victim, you hold on to pain, you feel bad about yourself, you hate the rest of the world, so you put up a wall between yourself and everyone around you, which means that it's hard to have any functioning relationships. It means that you can't evolve, you can't move forward. <laughs> you can never learn anything, you can never progress, you stagnate. So you're basically abdicating your entire life if you're scapegoating. So that's on the negative side. And then we look at the positive side, and the positive side is, well, you know what? It feels pretty good to blame other people. And it also makes me feel a little bit better because I don't have to shatter the illusion that I'm perfect. I can go around thinking I'm perfect, even though I'm going to have to deal with the consequences of my actions regardless. There's no way to avoid that. But I can keep the charade going for another day, couple of days. And not only does it feel good, it feels so good that I don't even have to scapegoat myself. I can just listen to other people scapegoat. And that makes me feel great. So I'm going to support a bunch of these crazy leaders who are on TV screaming at other people, talking about their failings and how we can't move on as a society because the Democrats did this or the Republicans did that or some other representative has this horrible record. And it just feels good to hear other people scream about people that I don't like. And maybe it's not even that I don't like them. Maybe I just need someone to scapegoat because hearing someone scream at someone else feels so good that I'm willing to trade the entire quality of my existence for that hit. So what is it, Z? Because this defies reason. I mean, this makes no sense at all. What is it in us that makes it feel so good to blame other people so that we can overcome this huge list of detriments to ourselves, And maybe more importantly, if there is something that's so powerful that's causing us to scapegoat, what do we do about it so we can get beyond this madness? The myth of free lunch. There is no free lunch. There's no such thing as a free lunch. Bohl's law, uh, theory of thermodynamics. Bohl's law of thermodynamics. Everything costs something. We think we're getting the free lunch by just venting for a moment, just looking at somebody worse off than us or projecting that onto somebody. <clears throat> it costs a lot. When I say it costs the soul, let's say you're a soulless person listening to us and you don't really care about your soul. You don't have that kind of vibe. Well, it physically makes you ugly and you, 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 it diminishes your metabolic energy. I would challenge everybody who follows our podcast to do a nice deep meditation, just do a 10 minute meditation and create a nice uh, boundary around yourself and observe the people quietly without sound on the media, your your television set or your your, your uh, 
personal uh, smart device or whatever, look at the faces of the people that are blaming other people for random stuff. They don't quite look human anymore. They have what they call hyperattentiveness. They don't blink. They're raging. Uh, they have a lot of makeup and plastic surgery and stuff like that to make up for the deformities in their face because it's rotting them from inside out. It's like something out of a horror movie. And they're going on and on. The, 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 often the posture is stooped, hunched over, highly um, aggressive, what they call empty fire syndrome in Chinese medicine, uh, jaundice, all these things babbling and raging and it gets worse and worse and worse and then you'll see the frothing at the mouth you know and it's just it's just it's something bizarre happens to you it's like you ate poison ivy imagine eating poison ivy if it does that to your skin what is it doing to your gut so these people are eating these toxins of scapegoating and they get really good at it. it's really i i don't know the upside of it other than for a moment you escape responsibility, right? I, I'm not sure what the strategy could be, but I'm sure that there's always some light at the end of the tunnel. And certain times in life, maybe there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I don't know. Um, I'm trying to imagine situations where it would be beneficial to sca uh, scapegoat someone. Um, I'd imagine if I'm busted by the authorities for something and I want to get away, I would point the finger at someone else maybe you know maybe that's a good time to do that but then you have to use a lot of energy to get the hell out of there and be on the run until your plot your scheme is un, un, uh, revealed but if you just observe the behavior of people who do that without any caution without any diplomacy just blame 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 it's your fault you did it they did it that group did it but not mine they're bad and I'm good. By by what 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 what? Then you need to have behind you a orchestra and a uh, literally you have to walk around with a cheering section to keep that that going because it has no substance to it. It has nothing. Then you work on it and you try to get enough people involved in it to give it reality to make it real, right? You just you keep running around and, and it's like the chicken little car and the sky is falling. You get enough believe people believe in that, then all of a sudden the earth is flat. Yeah, the earth is flat. You know, it, it's just insane. So I, I would say that for those people who really want to observe that, if nothing else, for the sake of your vanity, don't scapegoat. Because when you go through things that are tough, and you push yourself and you do, you always come out better. You know, I was telling uh, Caitlin's dad this morning, uh, you know, I was telling about working on the Tai Chi and things like that. And we were talking and um, I was telling you that, that I have such a fantastic and beautiful body. He wanted to know why I was so unbelievably fit and handsome at even older than him. And I said, I push myself. Not just physically, but emotionally. I put up with a lot of things. I, I try to sit in the fire of the self as much as I can. And when I come out of that, though sometimes I'm tired, well, I'm gleaming. I'm, I'm bright. I'm energetic. And um, 
it really helps. I talked about how difficult it is having young children at an advanced age. Um, but in return for that tapas, that fire, the character builds. And you know what? I feel pretty good. I feel better than most. And then when I sit with people in my age group, uh, I get up and leave and go sit with people in, in a younger age group because it just doesn't feel good, not just because of the age, but because of the mindset that endurance, enduring, sitting through something, building your character always gives back to you more than it takes. Scapegoating denies you that opportunity. Z, it's a good point that maybe we don't need to know why this happens. I mean, I can think of some reasons. We've talked about ego. We've talked about just the general tendency of society to blame other people. We've talked about things becoming normalized. So if you do it enough times, and if everyone around you does it, maybe it just becomes ingrained. I think the important thing, as you mentioned, is what do we do to get out of it? And that's sitting with the fire and sitting with a an acute self-knowledge and understanding of what we're responsible for, what we can control, what we need to do to affect the outcomes that are going to benefit us, and also sitting with the consequences, whatever pain we bring upon ourselves, uh, that's part of the process as well. Because the reality is that there's no way to avoid that pain. We're going to feel that regardless. So it's almost like we have two choices. On the one hand, we can try and push it away. We can con concoct these complicated explanations of how the world is out to get us. We can find other people who are going to support that reality. That takes a tremendous amount of energy that increases our stagnation. And that doesn't even help us avoid the pain. It might defer it. So maybe we buy ourselves a little bit of time. But eventually, we have to reckon with the consequences of our actions. So why not have the more productive mindset, which is, I'm going to face things head on. Whatever it is, however unpleasant or uncomfortable it is, I have enough conviction in myself that I can deal with it. I know that I'm going to come out stronger. And frankly, even if I don't have that conviction, what choice do I have? I, I can't change the past. I can't change the events that I've set into motion. So let me try and deal with the situation, whatever it is, to the best of my ability. That's really the mindset that we want to cultivate. So Z, maybe we can close on that. I mean, if you think about exercises that we can give our audience how do we start cultivating that mindset and moving from a world where we're trying to hide and assign blame to a mindset where we're much more comfortable confronting things head on? Then I, I think right away when I, I think about exercises, which is what we do, we, we love here at the Dharma Health Institute and, and through Dharma Media to give people the tools to mitigate their suffering. And one of the exercises is first a mental exercise of sitting still in your meditation, be you standing, walking, but just being there during times of distraction, of irritating distractions. Adjust your schedule, adjust your life where this focus point on the self, on the meditation, you stay with it through all of the temptations of the draw of social media, the next text, the next this, the next that, the next emergency, the next entertaining thing. Purge that just for 30 minutes, be it through a sitting, a walking, or a standing meditation to observe yourself and your reactions to things. 
Then as you start to go to the end of that meditation, make an internal checklist of five things that you do that scapegoat. And don't be shy about it because it's you in private. So there is no shame. There is no relative comparison. There is none of those things going on. You know, I was about to go home and blame somebody for something. I had a not so great day at work and I'm going to pass that stress on to my partner. I'm going to walk through the door of my house and start venting about uh, a day that is over and water under the bridge. I'm going to scapegoat my stress. I'm going to pass the stressful sins of my day that are no longer existing on to someone who is through fate, a, a moment of passion or whatever, is my partner, my friend, and I'm going to dump on them. I'm just going to dump. I'm not going to vent. I'm going to dump on them. And I'm not going to look at them at all as a human being. I'm going to look at them as a garbage can. And I'm going to use that garbage can as my scapegoat. That's going to be my goat. And I'm going to dump the putrid phlegm of a bad day that no longer exists onto that person so that I can then start the rest of that evening and finish the day on bad terms. And then I'll awaken in the morning and blame them for their mood. You see, people do that. I've heard it. I've done it. Scapegoat. So when you come out of your meditation, visualize yourself in that behavior. Visualize yourself uh, missing another day at the gym. And what was your excuse? Who did you scapegoat? What did you scapegoat? Some outside phantom that caused you not to take care of your own self. I scapegoat everybody to get a piece of chocolate. I do that all the time. I'm working on it. Right, Caitlin? Caitlin just stole a big piece. Somebody, Jonte was in trouble because he messed up on our social media, right, Vin? So we're going to uh, rip him a new one. So he knew, so he brought chocolate. Most people know how I am about chocolate. So I eat one piece, which I shouldn't be eating because I'm on a special diet right now. Uh, come back down. I've counted every piece. There are about 10 pieces. <clears throat> I ate one, so there was nine pieces I knew downstairs. I came down, and there were four pieces. And I looked at Caitlin, and she tried to do that shifty thing she does, you know, where she just really has a blank face. She just has a blank face, so you don't know what's going on. Just, just a blank face. She just blank-faced it. So I knew she had ate my chocolate. And then I scapegoated her from my bad mood. For my inability to think clearly. It was so worth it. Yeah. And Caitlin scapegoated Jonte because she said he took it. <laughs> it's just a mess over here. But what I'm saying, there are exercises we can do that first acknowledge our own shortcoming. Embrace it as a learning opportunity and work on yourself. Especially when you scapegoat people you love. Because Love is something that is not a given and you're not entitled to. It needs to be nurtured, cultivated, refreshed, and maintained on a regular basis. So don't scapegoat your kids. Don't scapegoat anybody. But also guard your energy. Just guard your energy. 
call call a thing what it is, internally or externally. Just call it what it is. If there's somebody in your home that scapegoats others, call them out on it. Just call. You don't have to be mean. It's not mean or it's not happy or sad. It's not mean or nice. Don't blame others for your situation. Or get up and do something about your situation, even if others were to blame for it. That's simple. Good exercises. And then sit with the fire of that. Whatever that is, it's going to make you better. Right? Yeah, there are a few things that I'm taking away from this. So one of the last points you made, I think, is critical that who's to blame isn't even the right question. It's irrelevant at some point. If we go back to more of that cosmic view, there are an infinite number of causes for any particular effect. Why do you want to waste time trying to figure out who's responsible uh, for this or who's not responsible? The only relevant question is, what are you going to do about this? And what's the best path going forward? So I think cultivating that mindset is very important. The other thing, Z, that you mentioned is just sitting in the tapas, sitting in the fire, uh, sitting with the consequences of your actions and coming out stronger on the other side. And then finally, one important thing that I've learned from Caitlin in all of this is if you are going to scapegoat someone, make sure you scapegoat the black person. You're probably best off doing that. So that's what I've taken away, Z. (laughs) I've definitely learned something through this discussion. And hopefully our audience can take these pointers and use it to have more of an action mindset instead of a blaming mindset. I love it, Vin. Again, not only working on scapegoating, advancing your soul and your condition and elevating your consciousness, but another promotion of diversity. Have a black friend. Worst thing that can happen, you can blame them for stuff. So that's a good one, Vin. We really appreciate that. That was a good message for us all. Love you all. Have a wonderful holiday. Will we be seeing them before the Christmas season? I think so. Okay, we'll be talking. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll be having a wonderful Christmas message for all <laughs> of you coming up. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Talk to everyone soon. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcasting app. Each five-star review helps us bring you more unique and insightful content. Learn more at dharmamedia.com. Peace.